Hello and welcome to the Midnight Film Review. My name is Brian Stevens, and with me is... Hey, it's Aaron Wetley from Suburban Dad Pop. Aaron, what's going on? Oh man, just uh, loving that sunshine. I feel as brutal as this winter is. Of course, it's not as bad as the winters in Ennis. Um, <laughs> but we finally got some sunshine here in, in central Ohio the last few days, and it's been sure great. Did. Yeah, we, we I mean, we had a pretty mild winter up until... Um, about a month ago, and it got right. really bad, really fast. Yeah. Here in Ohio, that is, we're in Ohio. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, like you know, uh, on my birthday, you were there. I mean, yeah. I wasn't even wearing a coat. Like I was, just, right? You know, and that's mid December, and Christmas was mild, and then man, we got just pounded with some really cold weather and snow over the last couple weeks. But now, yeah, you're right. The sun's back out. I was actually outside. Um. Playing with uh, my son and his remote control car for a little while today. Oh, that's pretty awesome. That's, how's he doing at the uh, the skills behind the wheel? Not very well. And uh, <laughs> he, he gets to the point where he just starts crashing it on purpose. And I'm like, you're going to break it. <laughs> and he gets mad at me. And I'm right. like, I'm, he's like, I'm not doing it on purpose. I'm like, I know you. I can tell when you're doing it on accident and you're, when you're doing it on right. purpose. Um, but yeah, it was fun. And then it got cold. It, then, you know, the sun goes down and, or it starts to go down and it's like, Boom, yes. it's time to get in the house. Absolutely. Um, but days are getting longer. Groundhog yes. Groundhog saw his shadow or didn't see it. What what I, I don't know, what's the good oh, thing? Oh man, I never get that right and I can never remember what it is. Well, whatever it is, it, it was it's the good one. Whatever oh, good. the good one is. Whatever the good one is, that's what happened. So we're supposed to have a pretty mild um entrance into, into spring. And you know, again, we're talking about weather like two uh seventy five year old men on the porch, but <laughs> Hey, I'll take it. Uh, it's Ohio in in February, man. It's we got to celebrate the good days when we get them. That's right. Um, that's right. Um, so we do have one correction on the show last week. I mentioned that I believed that the uh, trajectory was going to skip a week, and I just want to be clear. I wasn't reporting false information. Um, there were several outlets that reported it. I'm not going to call out any names, but. Uh, they surprised us and told us that no, actually, we're getting it mm-hmm. on Friday instead of Sunday. Um, what are your thoughts about that? Well, the, what I can come up with is uh, the reviews online have been mixed about this show, and um, you know, when you have a show that's really hot or maybe lukewarm or even cold like this, I don't know. If you have momentum one way or the other, maybe you got to keep it. And I think. Um, the reception kind of being as lukewarm as it's been. I, I, I don't think they want to take the chance of going two weeks without airing an episode. I think you're right. And to me, it's not necessarily that, uh, I, I think you're right. Everything has been pretty lukewarm, right. About, mm-hmm. about the show, but there are some strong defenders out there. I mean, there are people who yeah. are like defending the show tooth and nail. Um, our good buddy, Alan Seppenwall, uh, uh-huh. his review for for episode three, I was like flabbergasted, almost to the point where I was like mad because I really, really respect Alan Seppenwall. He's the, sure he's the goat. He, he's the goat. Yes, he is the Michael Jordan of television reviews, and he's mm-hmm. like the writing in this episode is so good, and I was like holding my vomit in my mouth. Like, what are, <laughs> you, are, are we watching the same show? Right. But, you know, on Metacritic, the people who have seen the whole season. 
I mean, it's got like it's got like a just around like a 71 or 72 on Metacritic, which is a pretty, pretty high, high score. Yeah, it's not, right. you know, it's not all time great, but it's like recommended. And this isn't Rotten Tomatoes where it's like a yay or nay thing where it's like it's good. It's it's watchable. You know, this is like right. a weighted system. So it's, you know, it's a, basically on average, it's a seven out of ten is essentially what it is, is what they're saying. It. Um, yeah. And I, I don't think either of us have felt that so far, but maybe your thoughts on this episode is different than mine. Uh, maybe we both liked it. Maybe we both didn't like it. I don't know. I don't know. Let's uh, you're ready to dig in. Let's do it. All right. Uh, so. Oh, real quick. Sorry. Sure. Did were you able to look into or did you uh, notice the orange at the beginning of the episode? Oh, shoot. No, I. Uh, I made a note. When we were doing the podcast and then I was listening to it again, I made a note and I made a note and I forgot. I, I did not, I did not check it out again. Was it there again this week? It was there. It's yeah. almost, it's at the, it's almost at the very end of the intro. Ah. And uh, I tried to really study the intro, but I feel like unless somebody else points me at, points me to something like, I'm not going to write. Like I just, it's, I'm not going to, I'm not, I'm not that observant and I don't really have the time to break it down like that shot by shot right. but i feel like there are clues in there if someone has time to do that just saying right uh, on. if and if you do email the podcast call to pop please at gmail.com call with a k um but yeah so i can confirm that it is 100 percent there um and it is a spiral so that's awesome it's it's another thing um i also did real quick want to touch on something so um the Coding TV podcast with David Chen, who um, is mm-hmm. one of my favorite podcasters, um, he had mentioned that the parallels between season one and this season go a lot deeper than just some of the, you know, Easter eggs that have been laid sure. for us. He was okay. mentioning how, and I think you mentioned this too, is like season one is in hot south sweaty yeah. south and this is in the bitter cold north two uh, males and there's two women uh-huh the um the the way that things are arranged in uh season one is much more meticulous where season this season it's more chaotic right the bodies are more chaotic absolutely um, and even the uh the questions um like for instance, um, the questions of um, supernatural in this mm-hmm. seem to be much more in your face. Whether season one was kind of in the background, so sure. uh, I just thought that was interesting. More tangible, the supernatural that is, at least yeah. through four episodes, and especially towards the end of this episode. So right, right, all right. Um, I think that's enough. We can dig in into the episode so the way this uh this particular um recap starts out it talks about the fest the festive lights line the streets of enos uh and it's where it's christmas eve and um excuse me chief dambers and her team are still investigating um and the their the video from annie's phone gives some insight into how she died right so Mm -hmm. She can't sleep uh, because so we see the clock shows time for once. We know what time it is. It's three in the morning Um, and she can't sleep. And she just keeps listening to that horrifying video over and over again. Was there anything about that video that you could pull out 
uh, I could tell that she was looking at kind of, I don't even know how to describe it. It was kind of like on the spiral with a bunch of uh, lines coming out of it. Some sort of design I thought she was yeah. looking at. I don't know if that was structural or uh, what exactly it was, but uh, that kind of caught my eye. And you're talking, uh, you just brought up, you know, that it's 3 o'clock and she's having trouble sleeping. What if it's 3 p.m. and she was up all night working the case? Good point. I don't, you know, I I just don't know. And this episode really highlights that uh, in multiple times because you're, I'm just like, wait, what what time? Like, is is it late? Is it early? Like, you just don't know. Like, again, we've discussed the time and and the night is definitely a a character in and of itself. For sure. Yeah. Uh, so eventually Peter calls and tells her that Captain Conley is in town, uh, played mm-hmm. by Christopher Eccleston, um, and that he's there to transfer the bodies. And so Danvers is like, I'm going to get there. Let's just wait, wait, wait. So on the right. way over, she's driving and she spots Jules, um, which is Navarro's sister, uh-huh. half dressed, like she takes off her coat and she's clearly unwell. And so mid episode, mid, mid, mid yeah, yes, yeah. mid breakdown. There you go. Yes. And so Danvers gets her, gets her in the car, and then we we cut and we have Navarro um, taking, talking to to Jules and basically being like, you know, come on, let me give you this assistance. There's this place called the Lighthouse. Right. Like, just please, like, it's not like the other places that you stayed, which was obviously a contention why she didn't want to go back. This right. is, um, seems to be a place where like uh, she's you know, allowed to check herself in and out. It's not a, mm-hmm. a, a non-hold type situation. Right. And so um, Jules eventually agrees. And so she's going to take her. Yeah. Um, I thought that was a pretty... I'll oh, go, go ahead. ahead. I'm sorry. I was going to say, I think that was a pretty good scene. Um, it, yes, absolutely. It, it was one of those scenes that I felt that the dialogue was really good and it was heartwarming and we saw the softer side of Navarro. Well, very, very true. I agree with that 100%. And we see the softer side of both of the true detectives. Yes, yes. After this, because when the episode opens up, um, Danvers is um, brushing her daughter's hair back. And, mm. and you can tell yeah. that she has love and affection and she's worried about. And then it cuts to her um, rescuing uh, Leah and from mid-episode, mid-manic episode. So that's a good way for you to get a lot of empathy for uh danvers going right at the beginning of the episode just like in the previous episode you get a, a really good sense of what an ass kicker annie is i, yeah. I feel like that they they set up um is a lopez is setting up at least the beginning of the, these episodes some really good structure for her characters agreed yeah yeah that was a great point and her just admiring her her, her daughter like um mm-hmm. i'm sure you've done this multiple times like um when your child is sleeping, obviously they're the most vulnerable, but it also like just gives you a, ch- a second to like look at them and be like, ah, oh, I love this. I love this human yeah. so much, you Absolutely. know? Yeah. Um, yeah. So great point. Danvers gets to the department and she's like at Conley's throat immediately. And basically like, yeah. you're trying to take me off this case. You're not going to, it's not going to work, you know? Um, and then he, Tells her, hey, I'm staying in town. I'm here to help you. We're not. He like tries to assure assure her, like, right. I'm not taking off the case, but like, we there we there's gonna be protests. We, basically, he he wants to be the kind of like 
the face. The face, yeah. He went, and she basically is like, "Oh, it's because you want to run for mayor. Is it mayor, governor, mayor? What is, mayor, right? Mayor, yeah, mayor." And mm-hmm. um, and, and I think that like we don't know enough about Conley. Like he's kind of he's only been in a couple episodes, and I don't know that we've done a ton of character building with him necessarily. Yeah. Um. So it's hard to, I mean, and Danvers is a um, unreliable narrator in a lot of ways. Yes. So right. I don't know. He, I mean, it does make sense for him to be there because she doesn't have the the best um, personality to handle the natives, right? I mean, sure. the, 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 the native people there are, mm-hmm. they don't love her and she doesn't really show them love, right? Absolutely. Um, so I think it's probably... There is some – I don't want to say it's completely altruistic, but he definitely does have some, like, a point. Like, I need to be the one that's handling talking yeah. to the press, talking to these people, and leading this. Absolutely. Um, I don't think it's – it's it's more out of necessity, just like you kind of said, and more out, rather than being altruistic. Um, like, it's he's going to make his own life easier it, right, if he's yeah. the face of all this. I thought it was interesting when he sniffed her thermos water before he dumped it in the plant. <laughs> yeah. That, yeah. that was a nice touch. Um, and we, we can talk about all of that later. And we also in that scene, uh, they, he, we, we mentioned last week what what led to the hospital fight. Well, there was a shooting, and I think we both kind of thought that that might maybe what led to it. So, you know, some hillbilly shot some other hillbilly and brought him to the hospital, it sounds like, and yeah, got, got in a fight with the hospital administration or doctors. Yeah, which I don't – why wouldn't you show that? Like I don't really understand why that you wouldn't show that. I I yeah. we'll we'll get to it in a minute. Um, sure. But I think that the Hank storyline, John Hawks' character, I think has just been completely sidelined in this yeah. series. He's got and, so much to give too. He's so yeah. good. And it just maybe there's more to come, and that and maybe yeah. you know they're doing. A, but I just am like. Why didn't we spend time with him in the Hibbles? Why didn't we see this? Why didn't we see him interacting with the the, the culture and the people and you right. know? Because we really don't know how he feels, you know. Like we really mm-hmm. don't know. Um, we don't know how people feel about him. Um, right. So I don't know. I just was kind of annoyed by that whole that whole thing. Um, sure. Um, okay, so next we have uh, Peter, who he's uh, they've asked him to cross check and, and do research, and so he finds out in, through old hospital records. I that think some, I think that's his own. Oh, he did I don't on think his own. He's asking him to do that. I think he is taking the lead on that. He's the only one doing any detective work. Really, he's right being now. a yeah. He's being a detective. Okay, I got gotcha. you. Yeah. Um, right. Uh, sorry, I don't want. I'm gonna make sure I give Peter his props. So Peter, good yeah. job. Um, <laughs> so he cross checks and he gets a single hit. Mm-hmm. Someone a, who is a uh, German native living in, in the area. His name uh, in 1998. His name was Otis Heiss, uh, and uh-huh. he was admitted for cornea burns, ruptured eardrums, and self-inflicted bite wounds. And for the last 20 plus years, he had been in and out of rehab and had trouble with cops. But now, no one can find him. And so, Danvers is like, "Damn, son, good job." Yeah. Um, she's really impressed and she gives him a pat on the back. Um, but instead of being like, all right, dude, good job. You did some really good work. Uh, go home and hang out with your family. She's like, uh, I need you to put out an APB for Otis. (laughs) And he's like, nobody's seen it forever. 
Right. He's like, really? Okay. Like he obviously doesn't, he knows like he's going to catch hell for it, but he begrudgingly does this. Um, and then that's we. Anything else about that scene that you wanted to add? Yeah, there, there actually is. And I was going to bring okay. it up next week, but I thought, no, I'm stretching a little bit. I'm reaching maybe. So Otis, when you see his mug shot, or maybe it's a photo of him from the hospital, uh, his corneas are burned out. Or at least one yeah. of them is. So he has, he has kind of, he's a one-eyed figure. And holy smokes, all of the one-eyed figures in, in True Detective, the, particularly this season, but in previous seasons, it's really, it's really quite astounding. Like, so you got... Again, Otis, and then you have the polar bear, mm-hmm. the the bear that um, Peter, or excuse me, the bear that Hank has for the woman who's catfishing him. Mm-hmm. You have Danvers Stuffy that actually that has one eye as well. Uh, when we meet the factory workers at the beginning of the series, one of them is holding a cloth over her oh, eye. Oh, that's right, yeah. Um, one of the indigenous women at the rally. And at the uh, when they're kind of sitting Shiva, for lack of a better term, after the stillborn, she has an eye patch. Mm -hmm. Um, You go back to season three of True Detective. There are uh, two black gentlemen that are confused for each other with cloudy eyes that are in for like framed for the same crime. Mm -hmm. And then, well, at the end, since we're talking about Otis, excuse me. The coat he's wearing, the eye patch coat. The smiley face coat kind of has like a one-eyed smiley face. I didn't notice that. Good catch. So there is a lot of one-eyed stuff going on. Maybe it's red herring. I don't know exactly what it is, but maybe it all ties together. Maybe time is still a flat circle. But there's a lot of one-eyed stuff going on so far. Yeah. I I mean, I obviously had noticed some of those. Um, Some of those I did not. Great work uh, by you, Aaron. Um, Yeah. I probably should have looked this up and I'm kicking myself or not. Um, and I'm not familiar enough with, um, um, crap. Who's the famous, um, sci-fi writer with, uh, Asimov? No, uh, the guy who, uh, the thing is based off of, oh shit. Oh man. People out the there thing? are like screaming his name. Um, <laughs> uh, the movie, the the, the, the guy who created, no, no, no. The, oh yeah, well yes, but like, um, uh, the the creator of the Cholu, um, oh. Lovecraft, H.P. Lovecraft. Oh, okay, I gotcha. Why. Um, I didn't know if H.P. Lovecraft, uh, if he, if there was, because there's a lot of H.P. Lovecraft in this story, right? Sure. So I didn't yeah. know if if uh, one eyed, um. Now I'm googling HP Lovecraft one-eyed things. <laughs> hope, I hope nothing um, phallic yeah, comes that's, up. Yeah, that's that's oh, don't do that on the work computer. <laughs> right. Um, <laughs> so okay, I don't know how to pronounce this. C y a e g h a is the great old one. Is a character. Uh, by and, okay. and is characterized by its supreme nihilism and utter contempt for all things. Okay. Uh, so okay, yeah. So that is a um a character, and it's just a one-eyed creature from um, Lovecraft. Interesting. So take with that Love, what you will. Lovecrafty, and you read that in a lot of reviews of True Detective and, and yeah. imagery. Yeah, yeah. Um, 
especially this season. Um, and so I, that's right. kind of why I was like, mm, interested. Okay. Um, I'm going to look into that later, see if that means anything. But yeah, great point. And um, the. I, it has to mean something, right? And oh, and you should mention that Annie only had one eye, right? Wasn't she stabbed in her eye as well? Oh, I, her, I don't know. I'm pretty sure her body was had a. She was thing. stabbed a lot of times, so maybe. Yeah. All right, so we cut to Peter's dad, Hank John Hawks, who's waiting at the airport, and um. If there was any, if, if there was ever going to be like a swerve, I think me and you both obviously knew he was being catfish. It was pretty obvious. Sure. But the moment that the stewardess steps out, I'm like, wait, are they pulling one on us? <laughs> like, yeah. is this? I was like, what? And then right. uh, you realize, nope, that's just the stewardess. And, yeah. So did he not get any photos of the woman who's catfishing him or the person who's catfishing yeah. him? Be- okay, you're right. That must be what it is because he was kind of that attractive stewardess was on he's like oh yeah jackpot and then she just you know helps the process of zipping up the plane stairs and flying out of his life forever yeah <laughs> right um i the i don't again i'll just briefly say i don't know what is to come of the hank character and right but this whole thing just completely baffles me like, I don't really care about it at all, and I just don't really right. know what we're doing here. Yeah, if you wanted to develop his character, maybe this, this is going to lead it up to a big part of it, or maybe it's going to be somebody we know catfishing him. But from mm-hmm. from what um, presented to us on screen so far, uh, I have no reason to believe it's it's anyone in particular. Um, unless he's, somebody's scanning him out of money. I don't know who needs money at this point. If it's a yeah. character we've seen that needs money, that would be my guess. But I, I can't. Oh, what if it? It wouldn't be uh, his his daughter in law, would it? I mean, why? Why it could be? Yeah, she'd I be mean, getting money out of him. That would be. Uh, I mean, they they we haven't really seen them in any scenes together, uh, but it doesn't yeah. seem like she really likes him. Money I for mean, school, maybe. Yeah, yeah, that, uh, that's it. Uh, so she they, can get the hell out of Ennis. If they did that, I would be okay with it. Uh, oh, I do absolutely. think, I do think it's weird that they would cast a, a character actor with such chops to just play such a non-existent role. Really, I mean, like they could have cast me to do this. Um, it's not yeah. really taking a whole lot of acting chops to do what he's doing. Um, a few scenes, but not anything great, you know. Yeah. Um, but. If that was the case, I would probably be okay with that. Um, right. and, and we might as well just touch on it here. This, you know, he comes back to the office and um, he's like, he. This is further on in the episode, but yeah. we'll just skip to it now because it doesn't really matter too yeah. much. And he he sits down, and he starts having a drink, and he he sees Peter, and he's like, "What are you doing here? Why aren't you home with the kid?" And he's he's pissed, right? Because he right. he's like, "Dude, go home, like." Danvers is taking advantage of your willingness to bust out this yeah. case, go right. home. And um, then he, then Peter replies like, you didn't give her money. Did you? And then he just yeah. changed the subject. Like, Hey, do you care if I come over later? Right. Um, yeah. Which telling Peter, all Peter needed to know right there. Right. Yeah. 
Yeah, doesn't push back, and and right. we know that he's center money, like because he's we've seen him do it, like yeah. or him say like I'll I'll send you some money for whatever for your um, mom's medicine for your mom's medicine. Yeah, don't worry. Um, but yeah, man, like that was probably one of the better scenes with Hawks because oh, he's definitely. actually being a dad and he's he's giving him some real wisdom like right nothing nothing you're this you're you're basically doing overtime that you don't have to do right Right. you're doing something you're going above and beyond go be home with your kid and um yeah as someone who has a young kid i'm sure you feel the same way you don't get that time back so when they're young like absolutely go go back and let's just close out this loop here too with with peter so peter when he does eventually make it home um and this is christmas eve night still yeah and his wife is in bed and <laughs> i know where this is going yeah so he's i, I can't ima- i can't exactly remember how he said it but um it's along the lines of basically like she didn't want the baby and he yeah. made her have it yeah and that's that's exactly what it was you didn't even, it, why did why are you with me if you didn't even want to have my baby or something like that yeah and where the hell is that coming from it's just so weird I mean, there's Directed no all hint. Danvers. Yeah, right. And also, there's never a hint of that being None. an issue. None. And the entire like, um, again, the this character and their the relationship is just, it's really baffling. Like, I don't. I this has been probably the worst part of this of this series is the, yeah. how they've handled this, these two characters. Absolutely. I, I find myself like consciously having to pay attention when those two share the screen. It's like, Oh, okay. I'll, you know, I think I mentioned this last week. I'll check my phone. I'll drift out for a second. Then like, okay, back, back to it. Yeah. Because it's it, just uninteresting. It's uninteresting. And it's not like, it's not well constructed either. That poor actress she doesn't have i mean i'm not saying she's a bad actress i don't know no. she's, a bad, she's a bad actress she just doesn't have any consequential lines or any other dialogue outside of being pissed off at peter right it just is yeah. not a good look it's just not a good look for a character disjointed um, kind of the whole subplot exactly yes right um all right so back to where we were um mm-hmm. so uh, peter is talking you know whatever you know uh Sorry, Hank realizes, oh, crap, I've been scammed. We go to Danvers, who is uh, making a surprise visit with Navarro to the geology (laughs) teacher's house. Um, And she's like, turns her back to the door. And Navarro's like, are you kidding me? Like, is there anyone you haven't effed in this this town? Like, is there anyone you haven't slept with in this entire town? Um, And she's like, comic relief moment. Yeah. And uh, so uh, the. The the teacher is not excited. It's Christmas Eve, and his mistress is at his doorstep, but it's right. for a a good reason. And so sure. he, um, they bring the video inside, and he identifies uh, that the bone there are bones in the background are prehistoric, mm-hmm. uh, which indicates a set of ice caves in the area, but have right. been nobody goes up there because they there's cave-ins it's too dangerous you, you mm-hmm. can't go in so um and the person who mapped the caves was none other drumroll otis heiss right um again i don't know how you feel about this but 
<laughs> I literally had to pick my eyes up because they rolled out of my head onto the floor. Right. Yeah. Um. I mean, just could it be Marriage more convenient? Of convenience. Yeah. <laughs> right. Jinx. Yes. Um. CBS procedural. It, right. Is that how you felt too? Right. Yeah. I mean, in that exact moment, it felt like that's what it was. Uh, maybe there'll be another payoff, but. Yeah, yeah, for sure. That was it was just very convenient and um frustrating to watch. I'm going to go off on a little bit of a tangent here because yeah. this was I, I was almost I was out on this episode at this point. Like I was yeah. super fr- frustrated. And for those listening, this is this is why. Let's say in real life you this happens. Like if you're you're looking into a case, right? And you find out that there's someone who has had these exact same injuries as uh, the, the the men on the ice, the men on the ice, the corpse sickle. Right. And then you go and you find out, oh, there's a cave system and who mapped them. I just feel like the way that this was put together, there is a way to do this and for it to mean sure. something. But. Never the, the the fact that it unfolds this way that they find out about this obscure person's injuries um, before they even realize that there's a cave system. Like, right. why is this cave system not known? Why is it not brought up? Like, it just like Navarro's like, oh, I didn't know there was caves, but the geology yeah. teacher does. Why didn't right. he bring this up before? Like, there's just so much about the way that this story has been constructed by Lopez that is just utterly baffling yeah nothing feels real or of consequence in terms of how they solve the mystery it just feels like um we have to hit this point to get to the next point and it's just not it's just not well written i'm sorry this is not like i feel like you and i could have sat in a room for 10 minutes and been like pushed the script back and been like it's a just just flip these two just flip yeah. flip this around. Right. It makes sure. way more sense. Yeah. Instead of it feeling super convenient, right? Absolutely. So another person that tied to um Otis was tied to the project because he could hook up he was some sort of engineer, right? Yeah, yeah. He was um I forget. And that's exactly. why you see the and that's why you see the oh I'm don't should I jump to the very end or not? You do whatever you want. If you want to jump, okay. that's fine. I'm just going to jump to the very end and we're going to just, I'm bringing up that in, in the big crack house at the end, the cold crack house, <laughs> the drug den, the barn, whatever it was that Otis, when, when he does meet the true detectives in the end, uh, it was hooked up. The Christmas tree was hooked up by batteries, mm-hmm. like car batteries. And that yeah. could have, those, that could have been the same thing that provided the light for the video that right. we saw in Great the ice point. cave. Yeah. So right. that's that's kind of where I got there. But there has to be a more organic way to introduce that character. Uh, somebody who um, he wouldn't even have to have all those injuries. I don't think you no. could have just been like he and he and um, oh, here it is. Could he and um, oh, gosh, the uh, the guy they went looking for in this episode later who they confronted last episode in the homeless encampment. Oliver. Oliver, thank you. Could he and Oliver Taggett have maybe even been the same character? We don't know the answer to that yet, but right. maybe they could have been. 
Right. I, I, I love that actually. Um, I think it makes more sense for the story to be truthful. Like, um, yeah, just, uh, again, this feels like it was fumbled. Um, there you go. That's a good way of putting it. Yeah, definitely feels. We, we have the, we have the Super Bowl uh, on on Sunday. This this is like a Kavarius Tony. Is that the yeah. guy's name? Right. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Kavarius yes. Tony play. Oh man. I got it. I got it. I got it. I slipped it. I dropped it. I fumbled. <laughs> yes. Good call. Yeah. I uh, love it. Um, I, I think that we're both on the same page, and uh, we can yeah. talk. We'll talk more about Otis in a minute. But you're 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 right, and I. I also find it super annoying too um, that everybody they go looking for is just missing. Like that is just like uh, Oliver's gone, this guy's gone, yeah. like everybody's gone, and it's like right. uh, everyone is just miss. I, I get that it's a place where people can kind of fall off the face of the earth. Yes, but it's like, well, then how do you find them? And the way that we we find Otis is really annoying. Like that to me is like it's like oh he's right. been here the whole time. Like just yeah. Uh, anyways, okay. He's, um, he's going somewhere to to score his junk. Right. He's not growing heroin. People. <laughs> right. People yes. in town have to know who he is. The heroin. Go shake down the heroin dealer. You know he's been. If you're the cops, if you're the true detectives, go find the person that you know is supplying of the people in town with illegal drugs. That's a little bit CBS procedural as well, but at least it would make a little more sense and you can like put that guy on your radar. Maybe that's exactly. all. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I mean, just think of the wire. You sh- you go and you shake down the corner boys, right? Yeah. You shake them down. That's right. Doesn't yeah. even have to be the head honcho. You just shake down the corner boys. There's a, the right. guarantee. There's a there's a flop house or corner corner boy somewhere in this town, right? Sure. Absolutely. Um. But yeah, I'm with you. Um. Okay, so then we after they find this part of the puzzle and it's like, oh crap! All right, well we got to figure. Maybe we can go up to this. We got to figure out who's seen him and where. Um, mm-hmm. they, we cut to Julie trying to settle into the lighthouse, and she, she's oh. get, folding her clothes, hanging out, and then all yeah. of a sudden, here comes an orange. Rolling out from underneath her bed. Right. She looks under the bed and she sees her dead mom and a crucifix uh, around her neck. Oh, that's her mom. That's the way I took it. Oh um, shit. Okay. All I mean, right. I I don't know that it's her mom. It, we don't okay. know. It's not. I just uh, because of the crucifix, I just assumed. No, no. Good, good work. You're a true detective. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um. That okay. yeah. Anyways, that that was my guess. Is that it was gotcha. Mom. Um, and this basically puts in motion what will ultimately be her yeah. final breakdown in suicide. Right. Um, so, but after that, we, we cut to another extremely annoying part of this episode. For oh, me. okay. Right. Um, the silver mine boss came, uh, Kate McKitterick, I think says her name. Okay. Um, Kate is the wife of the guy that Damers is banging. Yeah. And um, she, but she's also the boss of the silver of the Silver Sky Mine. Right. And so um, Leah is caught painting murderers on the front door, yeah. and uh, Danvers has to, you know, go quell the situa- situation. And she's like, basically, like, 
don't press charges, please. Like, yeah. Um, I, I think and, her quote was, "The fuck you are." Yeah, yes. Yeah. yeah. He says, yeah. It wasn't and quite she, that nice. No, right. And um, what 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 I hated about this scene is the way that Leah reacted, and it's like, whose side are you on, anyways? And I'm just like, I get that she's a teen and she's dumb, but like, what do you? Like, your mom's the sheriff. Or the yeah. head detective, or right? is she the sheriff? What is she? She's the, yeah, the head of the. That's the county sheriff, I guess. Yes, it's like, what do you expect her to do? Be okay with you breaking the law, even if these people right. are murderers, and they they probably are scumbags. But it's like, sure. guilty and proven, until proven innocent. What you know, yeah. Danvers is going to do whatever she can to. It seems like to make things right. Yeah. You broke the, like you're my daughter. You broke the law. Like, what do you want me to do? Like, I don't yeah. know how you feel about that. I just get really frustrated when when characters like do nonsense stuff like that i don't know it probably needed a little bit more development um uh, to see why exactly well andy to see what's developed a social conscious of hers um and what's happening but maybe what you're saying is why you know why did she do this it's so dumb her mom's the sheriff Maybe that's why she did it. Maybe she wants more attention. Oh, that's a good point. That, that's kind of what I thought. Like, and I think it could have been, although I, I think uh, the daughter, I'm Leah. No, yeah. I'm sorry. What's the daughter's name? Leah. Leah. Leah's the daughter. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Leah <laughs> has good motives and does feel kinship with the people in the town and the other natives. Yeah. And, and she right. does probably think of these minor people as scumbags. Um, it could have been any kind of number of things maybe that she could have done and acted out stupidly to get her mom's attention and, um, you know, be a rebellious teen and to wanted to be seen by her mom. Maybe. Fair enough. I agree with that. That I, I, that makes sense. Um, we go back to the Danvers home and Leah has called, um, for, um, uh, what is Peter's wife, Kayla to come pick uh-huh. her up. So she's going to go stay with, with uh, their family, um, excuse me. And Danvers uh, has got a turkey all ready to co- be cooked, and yeah. she just throws it in the garbage, goes and pops open the freezer, and grabs her vodka and goes to town. Right. She's at this point getting wasted, right? And so, sure, um, she's watching the video of Annie, and she realizes that. Which again, it's another thing that doesn't make any sense, but. The power cuts out, so if the phones go dead, um, right? Yeah, like that's not how cell phones work, but okay. Right. And so she basically deduces like there's generators in the ice cave, um, and yeah. so that she's putting, she thinks that the equipment engineer Oliver could be linked. Uh-huh. And wants to question him, so she calls Navarro and tells Navarro, "Hey, get with Peter." Go and basically she wants to go, but Navarro's like, you're drunk. Like I can tell, yes. I can smell it from here, like through the phone. No. Um, right. And she's like, fine. I don't want you going alone. Get Peter. And so she finally Danvers um, is like, okay, um, I, I'll let you two go. And so yeah. Navarro and Peter show up at Oliver's, um, but he's gone and everything in the yeah. shack is frozen, but there is right. a rock with Annie's symbol. On yeah, it. Um, with a spiral. What, yeah, what do you think? Um, what do you think about this? Do you think the? Do you think whoever is the killer left it behind? Like, do you think it was him? Like, wh- what do you think about this? I think it has to be the, the 
the killer that left it behind. Uh, I don't know how Oliver would have necessarily, um, how the spiral would have been a part of his life. I guess he was involved at the camp for a little while, or excuse me, the uh, Salal for a little while. So maybe he had access or somehow was aware of the symbol. But um, I think it's probably whoever killed him or hit him or whatever. Yeah, what I think? think. Yeah, I think um, it's kind of like a calling card. I would say. There you go. That's a succinct way to put it. Yes. Yeah, I think. Um, I think I'm with you. Um, it definitely is not a coincidence. I, I think the show has made it clear, like this isn't a coincidence. Right. This is something that's really happened. Yeah. Um. Uh. And so the people in the, the in the outskirts in the shanty town, the natives, um. Are basically like, what are you doing here? And run off Navarro and Peter without answering any questions. Yeah, I don't think in, any of the cops are welcome there the third time. It doesn't seem like it is. Th- this good. was their this was their time to leave. That scene was pretty tense, and I yeah. thought there was going to be some. I've, I'm like, man, is somebody I I really thought that Peter was going to get killed off at this point. I, I for some reason right. just felt like everything was le- like he's working sure. and he shouldn't be. Like this is Danvers not going to drunk. Yeah, yeah. Right. I thought he was getting shot or at right. least like put in a coma, but we don't see what happens, but they get out of there unharmed. Mm-hmm. Um, Danvers being frustrated and wasted. She drives to mm-hmm. Conley's motel room and um, he's watching the elf on, yeah. on TV. Yeah. <laughs> that was pretty was funny. Great. A little yeah. Will Ferrell cameo there. And uh, uh, they start going at it. And um, I forget how the conversation escalates, but um, what does he say to her that made her mad? I can't remember Did, now. I, I don't know if it's necessarily, uh, I don't know. The undertone is, I think he was confronting her about her past drinking and driving here. That was a big part of it, I think. And I, I I'm going to just kind of go off a little bit here. I think we're getting, all of this is leading up to, uh, the accusations for driving the undertone of it is that she was the driver when uh, Jake and Holden were killed. Yeah. I think yeah, he, he mentions, brings up Jake and he brings up Jake and Holden somehow. Yeah. And that's he does. what it was. Yeah. You're right. And he, I think he that's says, what set her off. Yeah. He says something. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to catch up, but yeah, he, he says something um, uh, about, he, he mentions Jake and Holden and she basically that she loses her, her crap. And, yeah. Um, right. She leaves. She, she, she seems like uh, somebody who, and I think it's a credit to her acting because I can't really put a tangible figure on it or expression, but she conveys to me somebody who her character as, as somebody who had an alcohol problem in the past. And I think that's, I, I wanted to bring that up in a few other uh, episodes we've done this way. She just conducts her somebody with herself as somebody who was a drinker in the past, but is like largely in recovery and, and maybe just, you know, keeps that emergency bottle in the freezer and can turn it on and off somehow. Yeah. Um, I would agree with that. Like, uh, I'm trying to think of a, but it's almost like, um, that she is a functioning alcoholic and doesn't need the alcohol all the time, but if things hit the fan, it's her crutch and she spirals. Kind of like a Christopher Maltesanti. Yes, yes. Later, that's a, in the later yes. episodes, later seasons of Sopranos. Yes, yeah. Great point. Yeah, yeah. On again, we, off again. 
Right. Yeah. And because we've kind of seen her like um, she's this has been a escalating um, problem through this right. um, through this series. Um, this is one thing that I think that the the that is a, has done really well yeah. um, because we haven't had somebody confront her and tell her she's an right. alcoholic. Right. We haven't yeah. seen that, but it's the things that we've been able to pick up on. Yes, absolutely. Um, and then she runs into a snowbank and see because she sees a one-eyed polar bear. Yeah. Um, again, do we think that's real? Did she see the polar bear, or is it? Well, the only two people that have seen the polar bear are her and Navarro. I guess it's real, but she's awfully calm as the polar bear <laughs> saunders away. Like he, uh, yeah. He he's two feet behind. His ass is two feet behind her front door or her car yeah. door. She's like, oh, thank goodness, the polar bear didn't get me. Yeah. Whereas a polar polar bear could just tear into that car still at any second. Yeah. Right. So Great. I don't know. That was that was a pretty cheesy scene. I thought. I I don't mean to pile it on, but I thought that was like, oh, come on. I'm with you. It again was just seemed like a way for them to work in the polar bear. The most um, violent predator on the earth, almost, it, you know. Yeah, right. Yeah. Yes. Um, will literally kill and eat anything. Yeah. Um, yeah, I thought it was weird too. And like I expected it to be like her, she was knocked out and again, I all this I thought, yeah. you know, Peter was gonna be dead, she was gonna be passed. I thought that we were leading to something, but she just backs out of the snowdrift and drives. Yeah. Everything's fine. Yep. I was like, really? Okay. Um, so then we cut to Navarro who rings Jules to check and see how she is. Um, and you know, Jules paints a pretty picture and how she loves where she's at, but really she's in the middle of the, uh, ice and she's getting ready to strip naked and walk into the ocean. And this is again, uh, we're going to kind of fly through this part because there's so much of it. The way that Navarro, and this whole situation is handled. I don't, I just, I don't know about you, but I feel like it just is done at a warp speed, right? Yes, like absolutely. this is just way too fast for this to happen. And this is yeah. literally, I mean, maybe five to 10 minutes at most in this entire episode where we have this escalation. Yeah, absolutely. Um, she it escalates so quickly um and and when we it cuts to julie we know exactly she's outside and you know exactly what she's going to do even before she starts folding up the clothes and it's uh, it, julie really hasn't even been in that many scenes this is probably maybe her sixth scene right in in right. four episodes so they could have built up her um relationship with navarro a little bit i would like to see that and i would like to see healthier Mm-hmm. Julie a lot too. That would have been nice. Um, yeah. Maybe she could have worked at Kavik's tavern and they, you know, you could like Kavik could have kept an eye on her and well, she's, you know, having a really good mm-hmm. day today, that kind of stuff. But uh, yeah. we only see uh, her basically mid episodes, mid manic episodes and um, her character isn't developed that well. And it's, it all happens very quickly. I would have loved to see more of her and Navarro's relationship rather than Peter and his wife. Just, Oh, there you go. Yep. Use a use a use use that time. Uh, I mean, I I just like even Navarro finding out. It was just like so weird. Like, oh, it was awful. Like I don't. Yeah, I mean that was a brutal scene of her finding out. Like, but it just seemed it's like 
again, no, we don't I have, was agreeing with you, like how she found like it was breakneck speed. It was awful. Yeah. And it's like, yeah. okay. So uh, like she dies and the coast guard immediately finds her. Like right. we, we can't Three find anybody. <laughs> right. We can't find anybody, but we were able to find this. Like she seems like she's in the middle of nowhere. Like, I didn't right. understand that whole situation. And I just felt like I didn't how, feel anything. Yes. Yes. Agree. And then on top of that, how are they going to get Navarro's contact information so easily? Right. How are they going to know who to call? Right. Like she was naked. She didn't have any, yeah. like, Oh, right. it just, the whole thing. It just, it wasn't, didn't it seem like it was like, okay, we just got to kill this person off because yeah. we need this thing to set Navarro off. Right. We need right. this thing to push her to her breaking point. Yeah. And it's kind of like, like they've done a, such a good job with Danvers and building to her breaking, right? She's yeah. The world is pushing down on her, her home right. life, her work, uh, her past, like all mm-hmm. these things are are building, um, and it makes sense for her to go t- towards the bottle. Yeah. Navarro, we have we it, Jules is like the one thing that she clings to, right? Mm-hmm. And we we just we we didn't get that re- enough of that relationship. We didn't get those scenes that we got with right. Danvers and Leah. Yeah. Like we, we, we get, there's plenty of Navarro in this. I'm not saying that she doesn't have enough screen time, but we right. don't see enough of her and Jules interact together. Like we don't Absolutely. get to see them go get lunch together or, yeah. you know, I, we, we skipped over it. It's not even mentioned. I just realized, but you know, Navarro spends time with Fiona Shaw's character in this. Um, yeah. It's a great little quiet scene and there's some mm. good acting and character moments in there. But we don't get to see any of that with her and Jules. It's oh, Jules, you're right. okay. You'll be all right. You're having a nervous breakdown yeah. or 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 manic episode. Sure. Like it's fine. We don't get to see yeah. them just being sisters. And I think yeah. it hurts. I think it hurts um, this moment for sure. Yeah, I would agree with all that. And uh, the only thing I can add to the, what you're talking about with the breakneck speed, um, I don't know. I, I think they could have the showrunners. Could have had Navarro check in on Jules um, one last time, and then found out that Jules had left. Right. And the audience, the audience, we know what Jules has happened to her. What's happened to Julie? Navari, Navarro doesn't. And then you could still have Navarro freaking out at the very end of the episode and imagining she's seeing her sister. Yeah. You could have that exact same scene, and that could have added a whole element of supernatural what's her sister doing here is she imagining this is she sort of sort of empath telepath kind of person but uh they just rushed it all and the, and the call from the coast guard was the one of the low points of the season i think i agree you just nailed it i mean that's such an easy you just I mean, you just came up with that like off the top of your head right i mean like that's not yeah. um well i've been thinking about it but well, yes but, yeah 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 right um you're not getting paid. I that makes way more. I think that yeah. what makes way more sense, and it is, yeah. Um, she could have so, found a bag of Oreos in her car and be like, "Oh, it's technically Christmas morning. So <laughs> make sure my sister has these." Yes, or like yeah. right. I mean, yeah, um, yeah. So we get to uh navarro freaking out she finds the guy who uh she saw yeah. earlier and she picks a fight with him and gets her butt kicked by a couple of him and a couple of she gave people. it her all she did yeah that was a yeah again we see we see her kicking ass because i yeah. mean she 
it wasn't easy to take down. Right. Um, so she is all jacked up, and uh, Kavik uh, is upstairs oh, so sleeping. Before you go there, I just go, want, yeah. I wanted to say about that fight scene. I thought that was maybe the most – I just shit on the show a little bit. And I do want to say on the other end, that was one of the most beautiful shots and scenes of the sh- show. Mm-hmm. Her fighting those hillbillies the way yeah. it was filmed. And for any nerds out, music nerds out there, that song was uh, Moby's This Wild Darkness. Yeah, yeah. Which is a great song and a great title. And the way the juxtaposition of the peacefulness of that song while uh, Navarro is getting a beat within an inch of her life was uh, was one of the highlights of the season, if not uh, this episode, if not the season, I think. Yeah, and the I really think the show does music really well. Um, yes. That's one of the, in my opinion, it's one of the high points of this season has been the way that um, she's used music in this. And that was a great point. Um, So then, yeah. So then Navarro goes to Kavik, Kavik patches her up and tries to get her to basically understand, like, you're not alone. Like, I love you. I care for you. Other people do too. Um, And then he gets on one knee and you think like, is he going to propose? But really (laughs) he's just trying to basically pop, basically sets, resets her, uh, her finger. um, Yeah. Because it's dislocated. And she lets yeah. out a scream, and then they have like a kind of a tender moment where she's crying, and he's like comforting her. It's her, her really a moment where she's like one of the few moments that we see her being vulnerable. Uh, Absolutely, this season. And um, she didn't even tell. Do you think she told Kavik her Julie was dead? I don't think so. I think you're correct. I don't think so. Um, yeah. Um, ju- just because I think they would have shown that. I think. It would, I don't think that they would have. Yeah, that, that's a. I mean, right. because that makes cause, sense. Because Kavik cared about Jules too, yeah. not just because it's Navarro, but he had a relationship with her as well. You know. Right. Um. So after that, uh, we're in the next morning, right? Um, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, and Navarro could heads could be. Uh, Navarro heads to Danvers' place to find that she's hungover and she's um, like you know, not real happy. Um, and so, um. Basically, Danvers goes on this like epic rant about when people die, they they're dead. There's no afterlife. There's no spirit. She's she's um, still drunk. She's not just hungover. She's still drunk. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And she's not a happy drunk, right? She's right. still angry from the night before, from mm-hmm. her her daughter leaving, and the conversation with Conley, uh, bringing up Jake oh, and Hayden. Right. Yeah, and so basically, she's like. Um, and she throws that the the the, the well the the polar bear fall, falls out and like navarro's like uh, this is interesting and then she throws it out the door and like you know again the dead is the the dead are dead leave them buried and then that's when navarro tells her um that jules is is dead and then she walked out bad time to go on that alcohol fueled rant yeah um right yes um and this could have been one of those scenes where it's like a, a point of convenience but i didn't mind it i thought that um it was definitely made sense for both their characters, right? Um, sure. And it's both, like they're they're both at their wits end because neither of them can protect their daughters. E- even though Julie is Navarro's sister, Julie is her mother figure, especially with the death of their own yeah. mother. Right. Yes. Totally. Yep. Uh, the only thing I, the only thing I really didn't like about this scene is Danver just randomly bringing up the Wheeler case again. And yeah. saying, you saw a ghost. Like, I know you saw something. What'd you see? Yeah. And then for Navarro to say, oh, nothing. It just yeah. was like <laughs> so dumb. Like, I, I don't understand. Like, like, 
is that a conversation you'd have right there? Like, it just didn't fit everything else that was happening, in my opinion. No, again, kind of ham-fisted and a little bit packing too much in. And as, and as good as it was when Jodie Foster was saying, the dead are dead, the dead are dead, they're dead or gone. Mm-hmm. And then 45 seconds later, <laughs> what about that spirit you saw? <laughs> yeah. Right. That was like, what? <laughs> no, uh, yes, I, I actually had that in my notes too to point that out too because yeah. it was like, what are you saying? Like, so are you right. calling her crazy or do you think she – like, what is happening yeah, here? Yeah, sure. It can be taken a few different ways. Right. Um, Just, yeah, the end of that scene was like – it was such a good scene and then uh, – yeah. Anyways, okay, so then um, uh, we <laughs> – Danvers uh, – Finds out, and they have this picture of what appears to be Clark spotted by the dredges, right? Again, this, uh, so we'll we'll get to it, right? So then they decide um, uh, that they're going to go to the dredges, and Uh they're like, oh, this would be a great place to hide out. And they mention that, like, they had searched them, but they're really hard to search because they're so far apart, and you could easily, you know, escape in the night. There's no real lights there, you know, so it's hard to— Maybe through a nice tunnel. Right, yeah, right. There you go. Yeah. Um. So, uh, they go out and they see in one of the dredges they see a the pink coat, and so Danvers yeah. chases after it. Uh, and Navarro, um, kind of lets, kind of similar to the hospital where he lets Danvers go forward. Um, yeah. Because something else caught her attention, and so Navarro kind of goes off on her own, and. Mm-hmm. She's hearing voices that are calling her name, um, and as Danvers is going further up, um, yeah, she's going in the opposite direction. Um, right. Did you – before we get to the very end of that, is there anything that you thought about that? Was there anything that um, – uh, about her hearing voices or seeing what you know appeared to be her sister's body floating? Uh, um, she is uh... – Again, it's the ambiguity of the show. Is is she Navarro? That is, is she is she poisoned by what's in the water in the air? Mm-hmm. Is she having a break herself? Is she um, have a concussion? Which maybe at the very very end we can discuss that. Is she recovering from this? Is her PTSD? There's a zillion mil, million things right. that could be, and none of them have to be completely independent of each other. Yeah, great great points. So. Um... Danvers catches up to the man in the pink coat and uh-huh. uh, realizes it's not Clark. It's drum roll, Otis. Um, Otis, old Otis, old old man yeah. Otis, and yeah. he is been tweaking. He's yeah. You uh, see his uh, needle and a spoon there. Yeah, and um, he's been camped out up there, getting high and hanging out. And uh, he just keeps saying uh, th- they're all in the night country. Um, yeah. Um, and she keeps asking, <laughs> where's Clark? Do you know where Clark is? Yeah. Who's Clark? And he's just like, they're all in the night country. Um, yeah. And so she then goes looking for Navarro, who we cut to, turns a corner and is face to face with her dead sister's corpse staring, yeah. which was a very creepy scene that started yes. the crap out of me. Right. Um, and, and, I was not expecting it. I literally said, oh, shit, and jumped. And yeah. uh, then we um, – Damers gets to the basement level, and mm-hmm. 
there's a Christmas tree like you mentioned earlier um, yeah. that is powered by batteries, and she's that Otis yeah. would have the know how to do. Right. Yes. And so she's sitting there staring at it with blood running down her ear. Uh, yeah. Presumably has a ruptured eardrum and uh, kind of a blank look on her face. And uh, we cut to black. Yeah, a ruptured eardrum or even like a more significant head injury. Right. Yeah. yeah. So real quick, let's talk again. Yes. I just this. So we've never heard of Otis in three episodes, yeah. like four episodes of this. We're introduced to in this episode to Otis by Peter. We then find out that this is uh, someone who knows about the ice caves where Andy was. Mm -hmm. And then um, we find him in the dredges. So all within less than 24 hours, they identify Otis, someone who hasn't been (laughs) identified in uh, the last 20 years, barely. And we find him again, just really frustrating writing. Yeah. It's, it's convenient. It's ham fisted. And, um, I think I mentioned it in maybe our second podcast about the show. It seems like it can be a CBS writing on an NBA on a HBO prestige budget. Yeah. Yep. And you're right. You nailed it. Yeah. Um, I did like this scene though. Like I did like the, sure. the, the juxtaposition between Danvers and um, like, I was eerie. Uh, it yeah. definitely set a tone. I was scared. Like I wasn't sure right. what was happening. Um, uh, and I didn't mind the reveal at the end of yeah. of Navarro. Um, I yeah, honestly, the last ten minutes uh, of this episode, this scene, kind of saved it for me a little bit, with the exception sure. of it being of it being Otis. Like I was kind of bummed that it was Otis, but I kind of felt like it was Otis the whole time. I don't know why. Um, uh-huh. I didn't think it was. I'm like, it's not Clark. There's no way that it's Clark. Right. Um, yeah. And it just seemed like this was Otis's episode. This episode should have been titled Otis. Um, Otis wearing Clark's jacket, who was originally got the jacket from Annie. Right. Um, yes, exactly. Um, but uh, yeah, the, uh, this episode's a six and a half for me. I yeah. think it just the majority of this episode was just bad. It was just yeah. a bad episode. It was the weakest link so far of the first four episodes. Yeah. I, I don't like most of the things that happened in this episode um could have been filler in other episodes um, or episodes three and four could have been combined into the singular but, there you go but that there, there, there yep yep yes and so it makes me really hesitant to think that we have two episodes left and yeah. um what are, are things how are things going to get it just makes me nervous like how are you going to tie things up in two hours um we have no leads yeah. I mean, maybe Otis is a lead. I mean, maybe he's but he's, not... he's crazy and he's doped out and he's he's all kinds of different things. It's yeah, it'd be hard to see how he's a lead <laughs> unless there's something in his jacket that was, you know, Annie's or Clark's. That, yeah, man, there you go. I mean, yeah, doing the detective work. Good job. I mean, I just I feel like there's so much that's just unknowable and like I just it's going to be I mean, the way that they wrapped up the Jules thing. At such yeah. a breakneck pace, um, I feel like we're going to just – there's just so much to happen. I'm just really – honestly, right. I'm just bummed because I feel like the first two episodes, you and I can agree, I had a lot of hope. And I was really, yeah, sure. really intrigued by where this is yeah. going. But this episode just left me just – I was bummed. I, I literally sure. – I turned it off and I was like, <laughs> shit, man. Like, wah, wah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I don't know. What are your overall thoughts? 
so I, I'm not going to disagree with anything you said. Um, but what I what I will say to kind of contradict, I guess, both of us a little bit is if you take this season and you there's every episode has a few vignettes, a few scenes that if you take them independent of the story and even independent of uh, a scene before or after it, it's like, oh, this is good. This has potential. Um, they're like puzzle pieces that don't necessarily fit really well. It's, it's, there's a lot of good to be had, but it's, it's disjointed, I guess I would say. Yeah. So I told in, um, I don't have this, what I'm about to say is not factual. I don't have evidence of this. This is just hearsay that I've heard and I could have looked into it, uh, and been a real podcast host, but, um, (laughs) I didn't. Um, I will do that for next episode to see if I'm yeah. right or wrong. But someone had mentioned that this was actually a script, a movie script that she had, uh, that Isla Lopez had written, and uh-huh. that um, she was uh, she approached a producer of the show and said, I think I could turn this into a true detective season. What do you think? And they were like, uh-huh. yes. And so that it, it was a movie that she had written, and it they, basically they stretched it out to be a six episode, which I makes sense. And again, I don't know if this is true, but the reason sure. it makes sense is because it's only six episodes, right? Right. Um, it's pretty easy to to stretch a, a two sure. hour movie into six hours if you need to, yeah. um, rather than you know eight or ten. Um, right. And so I, I think that that makes sense. And also just the way that some of the storylines are put together and some of the characters aren't fleshed out. It makes sense to me. Sure. Um, again, I don't know that that's fact, but it makes sense if that's true. That, that would make a lot of sense. And if if you're HBO. And somebody says presents you with this, this script for a movie and then like well, if we could turn it into a true detective, that's great because they're going to throw a lot of money behind it. They should have a, a, t- a coterie. A team of people that can punch up and help out Lopez out. But you know what I blame this all on is goddamn Max and the streaming service. <laughs> yes, And you're taking right. money away from where it should go and giving me a good True Detective Season 4. Instead, I turned on my goddamn Mac. Excuse my language, everybody. I turned on my GD Max and, uh, you know, it's my, thou- my thousand pound sisters and uh, yeah. and Rick and Morty, which I've never seen a minute of Rick and Morty. If you love Rick and Morty, God bless but that's not what I expect when I turn on my HBO streaming service. Fair enough. No, I, they, yeah, I, they are killing the quality for the almighty streamer. Yeah, no, you're, you're hundred percent correct. This, um, HBO is the, I mean, the godfather of prestige television. Right? Absolutely. And, um, it's lived off of that name for a long time. Right. And you're yes. correct. You're right. I mean, and but the Max or whatever is going on over there, it, you know, they're canceling shows left and right, and right. they're cutting budgets and making. And it's like this is, I guess, I, I don't. I mean, I'm trying to again. I don't want to crap on the show completely because I don't think it's the worst thing on television. Um, no, it's not. It's just the bar has been set so high for so right. long. That we expect a certain level of yes. of, of writing and of um, competency and just uh, it's just different, right? It's different, and yeah. so I think you're right. I think I think you nailed it. 
I, I yeah, I mean, I don't know, man. I call, just I, call, ter- call Terrence Winters or uh, Michael Imperioli or some HBO guys with a twenty year history that like lo- that are good writers and be like, hey, come on board, work together with Lopez. Let's let's fix this. Help her out, right? Yeah, like yeah. I, I mean, one is a big difference. I, I'm I'm not saying one's easier or one's harder. There are right. certainly people who went to, from television and failed in er, and failed in movies, uh, but it's yeah. it's a different animal, right? And there's absolutely long form story storytelling is m- much different than film. They each have their sure. hurdles, but they're not the same thing. Like just because yeah. you can do one doesn't mean you can do the other in terms of writing right. and directing. I mean, we see it all the time, uh, both sides. We see people in television try to make movies and sure. their failures, and vice versa. Um, so it's no shade. Even when college versus NFL football, obviously different things, but the same kind of premise. Like right. you can you can have the same technical skill set, the same technical know-how, and for whatever reason that that doesn't translate into one yeah one area than it, better than it does to another. Yeah, they're they're the same sport. They're just different games, right? There you go. Perfect. Um, yeah, I uh, yeah, I, I just again. I obviously we're sticking through this episode where, I mean, we're going to finish this thing out. I yeah. just have very minimal hope that they're going to stick the landing at, at this sure. point. Agreed. Yeah. It's a bummer, man. We, we both were looking, like, we, I mean, I don't regret doing this. It's been a lot of fun. I love spending no. time with you. I love breaking yeah. these episodes down. I think it's uh, caused me to almost be a little more critical than I probably would have been. Um, right. Um, but that's nothing wrong with that. Like I'm not, I'm not saying that's bad. I just feel like, you know, may not have been as hard on this if uh, I was just watching it myself. But when we, we, I'm I'm taking notes and breaking stuff down and looking at stuff with you and hearing your thoughts on it. um, Right. It it just, it makes the viewing a little different, right? Oh no. We've lost Aaron Wetley. He's still with us. Just not on this podcast. Uh, That's going to do it for this episode of midnight film review. Don't forget to check out Suburban Dad Pop on Instagram. Follow me at Call to Pop. It's called with a K on TikTok and on Instagram at Midnight Film Review. We will catch you on the flip side.